Cashflow Guys Podcast, Episode 33. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are here at episode 33. It, this is this topic today. I've been looking forward to this episode. I've booked with this guest about a month ago. Uh, it's a topic that I've really been wanting to learn more and more about. I know very little about, and I'm pretty excited about what we're going to talk about today. Today's subject is going to be talking about mobile home investing, both individual mobile homes and uh, we'll probably cover a little bit about mobile home parks as well. But a little bit of housekeeping uh, for those of you that haven't joined our Facebook group. You want to reach out to us or any of our guests, go to Facebook or go to uh, cashflowguys.com forward slash group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. Today we are here. The name I've named this episode. This is the first time I've actually named one before we've done it. I wanted to try something new. We're going to call this one Mobile Home Investing Lessons with our guest, John Fedro. John, are you with us? Tyler for uh, having me on Cashflow listeners. Uh, thank you. I got a big smile still on my face. I love listening to your intro uh, every time because I feel like I'm. It's like a monster truck rally. At, you know, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> I want to get people motivated, John. That's the thing. You know, <laughs> All right, get off the couch and do something. I actually say that in the show, but you probably already know that. I I got to tell you, man. I you know. When I was working for NOAA, I was out in the middle of the ocean, and, and they used to lower us over the side of the ship sometimes uh, to do work on the side of the ship. I used to listen to your podcast, hanging off the side of a ship, needle gunning rust, <laughs> trying to learn about really investing in mobile homes. So I've been with you a lot longer than you think I have, believe it or not. That is the coolest uh, review or backstory that I've, yeah, that I've heard. That's so cool. Wow. Uh, fantastic. My gosh, that's that's really awesome. That's con- catching me by surprise. At, at one point, I had actually tried to send you an email, and of course, I forgot that I tried to send it. But we were out in the middle of the ocean, and because we're a government ship, you know, we had internet access out in the middle of the ocean via satellite. So, I had wrote you an email saying, "I love your show. Give me more episodes. Can you do a daily show?" I mean, <laughs> oh my god, you know, I'd love to to learn more about it, but I don't have, you know, I'm temporarily unavailable via telephone. <laughs> I'm about 10 days from the nearest land right now, but I want to learn more about uh, mobile homes. But uh, I had sent that email and it never went because our internet had crashed. We were in rough seas and we lost the main antenna to the ship. So we were without internet. So of course, spoiled government employees, we almost, oh, everybody had a freak out because we had no internet for like six days, you know. I'm going to freak out if I don't have internet for six days. Right. But I was in the middle of the ocean. I didn't deserve to have internet. <laughs> So mobile home investing. Now you've got the podcast, the mobile home investing lessons podcast. Correct. We talked about that. I absolutely love it. And I love the fact that you're not, 
you're not a guru. You're not there pushing stuff. And before we hit record on this, we, were, we I realized, you know, we were just talking about Larry Harbolt that you, when you got started, Larry Harbolt was instrumental in helping you get started as well. Oh, totally. I remember asking some dumb questions like, <laughs> what's a deed? Do How do people know that, you know, you're the owner and someone else does? I mean, just stupid. Like, what's a title? And, uh, I mean, just really basic, basic questions. Uh, yeah, and Larry, I mean, that was four, four, 14 years ago. But uh, Larry was always there. I'm sure I annoyed him calling multiple times every day. I think it would be a competition who drove him more crazy, me or you. <laughs> but I mean, he's always so level-headed. He keeps it. I don't know if when he's hanging up the phone he's swearing, but he's always so level-headed and, you know, happy to talk. Uh, you know, as he gets older, now he throws contracts at you every once in a while. You know, if you're across the table, I've, 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 I've come up with some, some doozy, dumb questions, but Larry, what, what about this? <laughs> he, he, I, when I asked those dumb realtor questions, he's like, boy, I tell you, I'm going to strangle you with your own real estate license. <laughs> but I, yeah, he hasn't changed one bit, but you know, I was on your website and I, I'm on there actually on a regular basis. I watch a lot of your videos. It's uh, for those listeners out there, it's mobilehomeinvesting.net. I got to tell you, man, you've done a great job putting together a lot of information. That's kind of the direction I'm going to take my new website is I'm building more content. I just love what you've done. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the website and, and kind of what the, the mission there is with the website. Uh, absolutely. Um, it was a labor of love. It was started out as a, uh, um, a just a blog, and I'm thinking about some past posts that I wrote, more just me venting and then uh, rambling. Right. <laughs> that was years ago. And then it... Uh, and then, you know, I, I've taken those old posts off, and now it's uh, content. I mean, now <laughs> it has been for a long time. And it was all just me, what I was doing. And then when I, you know, a couple people here, uh, well, in, in Florida, not here, but in Florida, um, you know, where I was at the time, asked me what I was doing. And so started directing them to that site and wanted to give them more content and information. And then when I started helping people nationwide, I mean, that just opened my eyes. I didn't know that this could be done around the country. Um, and then now that it is, the rules and regulations change from state to state. And so um, I try to have good folks on that will just talk about their business and what they've done. And, and all those investors that you've seen on those case studies are, you know, super hardworking, dedicated folks that they deserve every bit of the credit. Now, one thing I got to I'm going to ask the question because people know I, I shoot straight from the hip. This is not unlike or just like everything else that we talk about, mobile homes, apartment buildings, this is not a get-rich-quick. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Big time. Oh, yeah, there's so many ways to do a skinny deal. All the, I mean, you've, you've, you've heard those negative stories about mobile homes. They don't make any money. My people screwed me. Uh, you know, it's all just deadbeats. And it's very, very easy to do a skinny deal, to do a bad deal. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and... You can do one deal. I mean, mobile homes are bought and sold around the country all the time. You know, it's the difference between just doing one deal, um, maybe being a one-hit wonder, so to speak, right. and then having a real business. I mean, there's not many of us doing this. There's not many investors. Cash buyers are kind of few and far between in a, in a, in, in a lot of areas. Uh, financing sucks, so it's tough for buyers to buy sometimes in parks or even on land. It's tough for sellers to sell sometimes. So really to make a name for yourself – and have this long-term business, um, and it's been so cool. I'm kind of going off on another tangent, but the folks that I've been able to help, you know, I'm talking with you here, we all have this same mentality. A lot of the, your, your listeners are cash flow people. We're, 
yes, we would love to get rich quick overnight, but we know, or we, we have this uh, maybe sort of uh, built-in knowledge to say, okay, you know, this is going to take work. This is going to take effort. I know I have to put in my dues, but I'm building up that passive cash flow versus a, you know, quick one hit big deal. Right. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, that made sense. I've had, you know, I've dabbled. I, like I said, I've been a loyal listener of your podcast. I've been all through your site, read all your information. I've read the Lonnie Scruggs books and all those. And I've flipped a couple mobile homes. Um, not a, a lot, just a couple. I, I, you know, I, I bought one on a credit card. Guy had a PayPal account. I bought one on a credit card, flipped it, made a couple grand, and moved on. But I've never really taken it seriously. I've all, my focus has been in multifamily. Uh, but the, it just these deals just keep tripping over me. I, I, the people are calling me, going, "Take this thing off my hands." So now I'm starting to pay a little more attention to it, and I want to learn more about this. But I have a hard time, John. With the, I'm looking at the thing, and I'm thinking to myself in the back of my mind this investment can blow away. <laughs> How do you get past that? I can't help it. How do I get past that? You're right. There's no money to be made. They can blow away. You should just send your leads to me. Right. I'll take care of <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my, my insurance guy, you know, I love him to death. Uh, George Cuscudis here. He's in Tarpon Springs. I know you're from the Tampa area and I call him about every three months and, and and I run some Lando mobile home by him and he's going, it's the same answer I gave you last time. <laughs> I'll give you liability, but forget everything else. <laughs> We're just not going to insure it. I'm like, okay, fine. So how, how do you process through that? What What's your way of looking at it? <laughs> I know that's a tough question. <laughs> no, no, it's just what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is what makes me comfortable might not make everyone else comfortable. Now, in the 14 years, um, haven't had an insurance claim once on any properties um, that I have. I mean, knock on wood. Right. But uh, being <laughs> being in uh, you know Hurricane Alley of uh, Florida, and then a park in Kansas now with tornadoes, and you know having properties you know in different obviously in different states, um, they are not as fragile as we might think. Uh, a home that you're looking at that you, you know is from the 1970s or 80s, that home has lived there. It's been in existence for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Um, they're, they're not as fragile uh, as, we, as we would typically think. Right. Uh, they are, are, depending on the home, homes and parks are insurable. Uh, depending on the homes on land, uh, they're insurable. Some of the homes that I have in, that I have in parks, uh, I don't keep insurance on them. Uh, homes on land, I almost always do. Um, and I can sleep well at night uh, based on my experience. But that is a huge, and it's so funny because me being in this business for so long, I forget sometimes of the the questions that they don't even, I wouldn't even comprehend them. Or I don't, the, what you just asked about them blowing away, just, you know, it doesn't happen. They don't get repoed in the middle of the night where you can just kind of back your truck up and <laughs> pull it off and you're never going to find your home again. Um, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, that that's like the stigma. It is. It's, it's, because I do the I host cash flow events lo locally where we we bring out the cash flow 101 game. I'm sure you've played that from Robert Kiyosaki. And we use it as a tool with people locally to help help them get used to actually physically doing transactions, negotiating and things like that. And we use it as a teaching tool. It's a free event that we put on here in the Tampa Bay area and we've been doing it now for about 2 years. So I put the I put these different deal examples up of deals that I've either done or witnessed being done or know people that have done in the Tampa Bay area and I'm, every time I put a mobile home up there 
everybody just there's like crickets. <laughs> and I'm going, but but guys, look at the look at the cash on cash return. I mean, they're pretty easy to get terms on for the most part because nobody will lend money on them. At least that's the stigma, which is beautiful. It's like you know, thirty percent, forty percent cash on cash return. What's the problem? Well, it's a mobile home. So I mean, do you run into this? You run into this as much as I do, or is it just me? Big time. My, it's uh, well, like I said, one of our sort of one of the natural edges that we have in this market as mobile home investors is that there's not a lot of investors doing this. And <laughs> excuse me, when I got started 14 years ago. I was embarrassed about this. I mean, I did not want to tell people I was a mobile home investor. I never wanted to do mobile homes. I never lived in a mobile home. And it took me months to tell people what I was doing. And once I did, to the different meetings that we've both gone to, um, people were receptive to that. They're like, oh, man, okay, I have leads for you. Like, I don't want them. You can have them. And I didn't understand. Well, I didn't fully understand that I was in my very early 20s at the time. But, you know, just the negative stigma people have and just the true status that they don't want to be – people don't want to be associated with uh, mobile homes. So I have my little website, you know, and I kind of, you know, stand on the rooftops preaching that mobile homes are maybe not what people think. And they, they are a great – they can be, let me say, you know, a great source of value and wealth and profit. But um, that just that just hasn't changed. It's blown my mind. And I, I don't know where it'll go now in the next 10 years. I think if there's like an A&E, you know, mobile home flipping type show. Oh, yeah. That will kind of shake people and, you know, oh, my God, I mean, anybody can do this and I can make that kind of money. Right. Any kind of work. So that would obviously maybe, I don't know, saturate the market. I don't know. But that would change people's opinion um, slightly. But, no, it's been the same. Uh, you know, people's mentalities are – the same in most areas that I start with a new person. Uh, there's not, you know, we are the dominant mobile home force. There's not hardly any investors or people doing this. Um, so it's still, it's so weird. It's like, the, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many other areas, and I don't know a lot about real estate. I mean, there's way, way more than I don't know than I do know. But I know mo- mobile homes really, really well. And I don't know if all other sectors are like that or what other kind of sectors are like that. Um, where people just kind of turn their noses up to them, but they're really, or they can be really, really profitable if you know what you're doing. You know, what I've seen lately is that people in conversation when mobile homes come up, if you say mobile home park, it people, they kind of think that's sexy. They're like, oh, well, that's that's different than a mobile home. I'm like, well, what's, what's the difference? I mean, really, it's like, okay, there's some dirt and a septic field and some cement pads, and I get that you don't have to maintain the individual uh, structure itself, but you've still got to deal with the, well, like I just said, the septic and the utilities and all these other things, there's still a lot of moving parts, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, people will take on, you know, a, a, a 55 gallon drum of moving parts in, in the, at a park <laughs> where again, the banks are, they're a little more willing from what I can see. Tell me if I'm wrong to finance a park because it's a, it's a full business, so to speak versus the single, mobile home or double wide that you can find in Pasco County, Florida for 15 grand. People are thumbing their nose at that when they're making $300 cash flow a door. It blows my mind. Right. They're, uh, the mobile home parks, and maybe this is just you know where I'm looking as well or where my internet searches are going to as well, but I feel like there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more uh, news articles. Well, not in a lot, but there's 
more news articles these days from everything from Wall Street coming into the mobile home park market to Warren Buffett uh, owning one of the biggest companies for, for manufactured homes. Um, and then other people who just have websites about in mobile home park investing, um, they're being featured on, you know, the New York Times and the Huffington Post. So possibly that's shining a spotlight towards mobile home parks. If you know where you're looking or if you're dedicated to finding lenders, you can find a lender for a mobile home park, for a mobile home in a park, for a mobile home on private land. So there's financing out there for just about any property. I mean, the, the interest rate will change right. um, considerably, but there is lending out there for most properties, the whole park or just the individual home. Um, but I think as far as the sexiness goes, you're right. It's just, you know, people, maybe it's that, maybe you could tell me, you know, it, do you feel that this is the same where the more risk that people take, the more they can kind of brag to their friends or the more, um, you know, it's it's not so much about – it's not really – yeah, I guess I could say it like this. People kind of maybe newer folks in the business or in real estate, they focus on quantity over quality where, you know, I think – people that have been in, this, in real estate for a while, we're not focused so much on quantity. Yes, we want to build ourselves up and get, you know, good cash flow, but quality is way more important. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm at my 30th home now, and, I, and then I'm at my 35th home and 40th home. And, like, I would, I would get off by telling people, you know, I have this many properties. And I wouldn't tell a lot of people that because I wouldn't want people to know. But, you know, it, it got – me really excited and I could brag about it. Now, I personally knew maybe five of those homes were not good or the people weren't paying or I shouldn't have bought them, but I was just trying to gobble up homes just so I could, you know, inflate my own ego. So I think maybe that's part of it as well. Like mobile home parks, they definitely cost more. There's more that you're risking, um, you know, the more profits you're being biting off a lot more versus one one home. But I can say on the uh, counter side to that, I get regular emails from people who have, I think, a good business head on their shoulders where they're telling me, John, I do want to own a park in the future, but I can see the clear value of getting to understand this business, you know, owning a few homes in the parks, owning a few homes on land, and then working my way up. So, so I think there's both. Uh, so you're basically getting the, using the individual units to kind of get a, a feel for the, the uh, it kind of develop the investor identity, you know, which ones do I like? Do I like a single family or, or a single wide versus a double wide? And what parks do I want to be in and what challenges are in that park? So, and I tell people this a lot on the show is, you know, the best way to learn is to actually roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. So is that what you're saying basically is to, is to go ahead and, and get started, get on these, some of these individuals. And then if you want to go into parks, you're going to have that uh, cursor, that uh, preliminary education, so to speak of, of owning the individuals. So when it comes to doing a park, it just kind of, becomes natural transition. Is that it? Well, from firsthand experience, yes. Uh, in the past six weeks, six and a half weeks, I moved in five homes that I purchased for, uh, I purchased one for 800 and the rest were free. And I moved them into my park in Kansas. Now, I would have been very apprehensive to do that, to do that volume, to move that many homes. I wouldn't really know how to move homes if I didn't have the experiences. Um, I have so many experiences talking with buyers and sellers and knowing what they're looking for, knowing how to test my markets, knowing how to ensure that I'm buying a property that will resell or that I can move or that I, you know, is titled correct correctly. So a lot of the BS that I went through with the individual homes, I'm not going through that 
with the parks. Like I, I got my own, you know, there's a lot of things I'm learning with the parks. Right. Of course. The homes themselves are not some, you know, I'm very seasoned there. So um, from personal experience, uh, what you were said is very much correct. Now I know down here in Florida, like Pinellas County, for example, they've got regulations that say once, if a home is over so many years old, or the manufacture date is is before this, then you can no longer move it. You have to just destroy it. So our, that's part of my resistance. I'm thinking some of these mobile homes they've been around since the 50s, but as far as low hanging fruit, you can pick these up for two thousand dollars on their own land. So part of my struggle is I'm thinking, well. You know, I still have the lot. At the end of the day, if the mobile home falls apart, and these are older, you know, units, they don't they they look like they're in pretty decent condition. I've walked through a few of them. I can get them for ten grand on their own land, and I'm thinking to myself, well, looking at the lot values, the lots are selling between six and seven grand with septic and, and power already there, with water already there, so they're already ready to go. You just basically put another building on it. What's your feeling as far as the, the, I'm having a difficult time deciding between do I focus on mobile homes that are in a park or do I focus on the land owned? I, I want to, I tend to want to lean towards the land owned, but what, what are your thoughts on that? My business for almost ever, uh, my first deal was in a park. Uh, it was either that week or it was the very next week I got under contract a mobile home on land. So very quickly, it was mobiles in parks I was doing and mobiles on land. And what I mean mobiles on land, it's, you know, an acre of land or a little city lot or five acres. But then there's just one mobile home. Maybe the land can be subdivided eventually, but you know, right. the, the home comes with the land. So um, those are very – both of them are lucrative and, well, can be lucrative. There's a lot of mistakes to be made. And a lot of the sellers are the same, Mobile, ho- you know, sellers of mobile homes in parks um, – Many, I'm not going to say a majority, but many are kind of paycheck to paycheck folks where um, it's sort of indicative of the people that we work with where there's a timeline that they have to move. They have to be out by the end of the month. They haven't made July's payment. They can't make next month's payment. They want to be out by the summer when their kids get out of school or the end of the year. So that's the same that I've, you know, and this is kind of blew my mind when I realized it, mobile home sellers on land and mobile home sellers in parks are kind of the same people. They mismanage their properties. They don't pay bills. They have deferred maintenance. They don't know what they're doing. Um, So I think both of them are great. And mobile homes in parks, you can buy them and sell them very quickly when you know what you're doing. Well, even if you don't know what you're doing, you could probably do that. Right. Um, You might not make any money, but, you know, you could do that. Right. So... You know, you can do that in a, in a week. You could purchase a home in a day, and if you had a buyer, you could sell it the next day. Uh, mobile homes on land, it's more of a conventional sale. You're, you have title insurance. There is a procedure. It's going to take 30 days. So over my career, it's varied from two to one. I would do two homes in parks to one homes on one home on land to three to one, you know, three parks uh, or three homes in parks, one on land. Now I'd say I'm about four to one just because I'm filling up my park in Kansas where I do about four deals in a park to one on land. So basically, you know, I, I don't separate them. You know, I, I, I want to be the mobile home go-to person in all the areas that I'm in. So Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And, and we didn't really talk about parks. I mean, that's a whole separate animal as well, getting into the actual park business. Right. Um, which I can certainly expound on that well i guess part of my resist my my resistance like with the the park thing is 
one, I'm a little nervous of, if, if, I guess I was thinking of, of buying them and holding them as rentals, but what you're doing really is buying them and reselling them Correct. when they're in parks. So that my, cause my reason, my reasoning behind that was, well, I have no control over the cash flow because the park owner can say, oh, well, this week it's uh, the lot rent is X. <laughs> there goes my cash flow. Park rent will go up year to year. That's a given. Well, it might stay the same. I've seen it go down once or twice, but for the most part, it's always going up. Um, most parks are very realistic and logical. Other parks are greedy. They're greedy. The, the owners are you know, emotional. They're racist. I mean, just, you know, things that are like clearly wrong. So we go through good efforts to make sure that we're not getting into one of those parks. Um, but what you described could happen. Um, is it likely to? No. And when our payments go up or when the park's payments go up, you know, our payments or our profit should stay the same. The, the buyers know what they're paying us, you know, $330 per month. Right. And that, that won't change. Okay. Whatever they pay the park is separate. So, so you take the payment. So if you got, a, I don't know, $200 a month payment for that mobile home, the, they are responsible as the new owner. They are responsible to make the payment to the park or you're responsible to make the payment to the park for the lot. It or for varies the... from park to park. Ultimately, as the investor, we are going to make sure that that park gets paid rain or shine. I mean, that's kind of one of the benefits that we bring to a park is we're going to yeah. make sure this gets paid rain or shine, whether we get paid or not. Right. So um, for the first couple of years, I suggest the investor collecting the entire payment, let's say $850. Right. And then divvying up the, you know, 400 to the park and then 450 to you for the home. And for the first two years, make sure that the people, the tenant buyers, they're good payers, they're on time. And that gives you a reason to call the park manager. You know, hey, Pam, uh, this is John. Did you get my payment for lot number 15? Oh, by the way, hey, since we're talking, you know, do you have any homes that you're getting back or any homes that I might be interested in? You know, it just gives you another reason to talk to the manager. So that's what I. You had said, and talking to the manager, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember one of your shows, it was probably a year ago or, so, or longer, but one of your episodes you were talking about people actually give you mobile homes. I know you mentioned it earlier in this episode in passing, but I wanted to, to bring that up. You, you've actually you get free mobile homes, don't you? Absolutely. That's not a question of if, uh, for, any, for everyone listening, that's not a question of if you get free mobile homes, it's going to be when, um, when, you're, when you're in this business. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. It's maybe hard to comprehend, uh, Tyler, if you're, if, you don't, if you're not from this world. Right. Not, not from yeah, mobile homes. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> right. um, but but we, there's a lot of value that we bring to the table besides just what we pay for the home. We get approved for the home. We get approved through the, through the park. Um, we'll take the home as is. We'll let the seller stay in the home a couple days or weeks after we close for them to you know, have time to move. Um, we'll give the seller cash or maybe payments. Uh, we can definitely get approved at the park. We can buy it today, which is when you know, they, people need to move. So there's, you know, we, don't, we don't help every seller. We, well, we try to make offers and we try to educate every seller, but we're not doing deals with obviously every seller. Um, so when you, so how do I say, so I guess without going into, well, I want to go into a lot of detail, but oh, please do. Are, um, <laughs> when the sellers need to sell, like we kind of mentioned before, um, some sellers have a timeline of when they need to sell and us mobile home investors, we naturally have an edge where financing stinks 
buyers are flaky. The ones with cash are few and far between. Right. You know, in most areas, there's more sellers than there are cash buyers. And that's really, if you actually think about that, because financing sucks and because people, because there's more sellers in most areas of the country than there are cash buyers. There's millions and millions of people that want to make payments to buy, but as far as people with 5, 10, 20, 30 grand cash to buy a used mobile home, there are fewer of those people than there are sellers in most markets, which just, again, naturally gives us an edge because there's so few investors doing this. There's so few buyers that have cash. We, again, naturally have this edge. So we're making offers to a lot of people, the folks I work with. I only want them to do really, really good deals. So if a seller has to move, and actually I did a case, or not a case study, but I did a video, or it's an audio, but I made it into a video, of a seller. And, and, I, and, I, and I picked this gentleman's brain. He had a beautiful home. But he was selling it for a fraction of what he just paid for two years ago because there were no buyers in the market. He needed to sell, and he couldn't sell. Now, I, I didn't want to buy the home from him anyway, right. but I, I put him on the, you know, on this video. And it, it, just to kind of show people, to show the average you know, non-mobile home investor the mindset that some of these people can have, the sellers, that they're good people, they're hardworking, they overpaid for their home, or they bought it in a senior community – or they bought in a park that's very tough to get approval for, or whatever reason, but they're having very, very tough time selling it. They've been trying to sell for weeks, months, um, and maybe they have to sell. Maybe they're just very fed up and tired of it, and they're tired of making payments. But there's a lot of people who we talk to. Some of them don't need our help, and that's great. Others need our help, and we just can't give it to them. And then others need our help, and we can help. So it's... Yeah, so I, again, this is the long answer of that, you know, kind of how and why we get free homes. But if you're one of the few faces that people see over and over again, we'll get free homes from park managers, from the park owners, from sellers themselves on a regular, well, fairly regular basis. Um, but absolutely, that definitely happens. So, uh, even, oh, go ahead. That so essentially, you're you're really taking what in a, like in an area like right now in the Tampa Bay area, we are certainly in a seller's market. In a general sense, whether it be, and I'm talking about regular homes, single family homes, and multifamily and whatnot. But in a, I'm seeing these mobile homes that they're on; they they stay for sale. They don't seem to be selling. So you're really saying that in a seller's market, in a lot of cases, in the mobile home sector, it winds up being a buyer's market if you're properly positioned. That's, uh, you know, I'm going to say it's it's going to be a buyer's market. No matter what kind of market that you're in, really? unless you're in a really, really hot spot, um, parts of New Orleans, um, the L.A. area, you know, San Francisco, San Diego, um, the D.C. area. There's not many parks around there, but there are some. Excuse me. Um, some parts are on the East Coast. There, in those, in those areas. Or uh, let's say, you know, in uh, Colorado is a very, very hot market as well. Um, Boise, Idaho, for some weird reason. So in those areas, sellers know what their homes are worth, and there are buyers with cash flocking to those areas. So the same mobile home that you could sell in Tampa, or that rather couldn't sell in Tampa for $5,000 cash, right. is now, if you move that over to one of the areas I just mentioned, you can sell that one for 15, 20, 25, 35, 45, 55,000 dollars cash. And wow. then people lined up to, to pay that. 
So in those areas, we have to go outside of those areas where there's just this crazy amount of cash buyers flocking to the areas, skewing all the numbers. But in most areas, to go back to your point, um, it is a it's a buyer's market because most sellers are looking for that cash buyer. Now, here's a secret for all the buyers out there, and I tell this to, uh, not buyers, I'm sorry, here's a secret to all the mobile home sellers out there. And this is something that I tell all sellers point blank, because, you know, it's my job to educate them. I don't want to give them a, you know, just whatever's going to help me. Right. So I tell them what, you know, what the truth is. And I say, hey, you know, you're going to sell this home to somebody that wants to live in it. They're going to pay way more than me. If you're able to collect payments, you know, you might only get a couple thousand down or maybe not even that down and then monthly payments. But if that's something that you want to do, you know, you're going to, you can sell your home quicker. You're going to get more money, but most people don't want to fool around with that. So if sellers sold their home via payments, that would completely change things up. They would have it sold like that, unless there was another kind of third issue that didn't have anything to do with the, you know, price of, or the cash uh, sale of the home. You know, maybe the home's like, dilapidated or the park super super strict on who they'll approve or it's a 55 plus park which eliminates a big buying demographic uh, versus in all in all in all ages type of park um so i hope that that really made sense um because yeah around the country the fact is there's more sellers than there are cash buyers making it a buyer's market simply because sellers want cash you know, they want to, sellers want two things. They want the most money they can get in the shortest period of time. Wow, that's and, that's kind of mind blowing. I got to tell you, it's kind of mind blowing. I mean, what's interesting is I, I guess it really comes. I like the fact that you educate the sellers because what I found here locally, and maybe it's just me, is that I can get seller financing on a single family house or a, a small apartment building without very much effort at all. But it's it's as if I'm maybe the sellers are just tired of getting beat up by every everybody and their brother, but I've had a difficult time getting uh, seller financing in some cases on, on mobile homes because I'm thinking maybe there's that demographic. They need the instant gratification. They can't afford to wait for anything to happen. They need it. They feel they need it now. Uh, it kind of goes along the lines with what uh, Larry Harbaugh talks about. And I know you've been through his training as well. The, the seller financing boot camp is, but it just seems I've had a, a more difficult time initially uh, with sellers. And I say initially because the mobile home seller, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, is that they get so many phone calls, the first question they ever, out of every buyer's mouth is, will you take payments? Maybe they're just worn out. Is, is that your experience, that they're maybe just worn out from all those questions? But I call a, a homeowner, like a regular house, a 3-2 house, they're a lot more, I seem to be get better results talking to, initially at least anyway, talking to the single-family homeowner versus the mobile home. What, what, what is your take on that? number of my properties are uh, single families um, and I you know I focus on a mass approach so I'm making a lot of offers um, on a fairly regular basis and you know they're they're qual they're quality offers right. but um, my results are actually the opposite or I you know of, of what of what you've been finding when we deal with a mobile home seller um, and, you know, I'm only looking for ones. I'm really only going to call people that are asking like $25,000 or less. Anybody asking more than that for a mobile home in a park, 
Mobiles on land are different. They can be asking whatever they want. Right. But mobiles in parks, I really only look for ones that are under $25,000. I want to buy them for well under $10,000. But I need to understand what the seller is going through and what they need, where they're going to be moving to. How much money do they physically need to get from where they are currently to where they need to be? And when you can understand that, which I know you bet you know that, but mm-hmm. for the folks listening, when you can understand and really position yourself as, well, this is another kind of topic, but if you can position yourself eye to eye with the seller and ask them some pretty in-depth questions, you know, where are you moving to? Why are you selling? Do you have a place? Are you renting? Are you going to buy? That all depends on, you know, how much money they physically need to move and what offers you make them because I like making a few different offers. I like making a cash offer. I like making a payment offer and then a different kind of payment offer. So I like to make those numbers kind of a wide variety, like my cash price might be you know, towards the lower end of the spectrum and right. the payments might be towards the higher end. So it gets the buyer involved in the deal making process. And if we can, if we can figure out a way, because sellers want, you know, mobile home sellers want the same things as we do. They want to get rid of their homes. They, they know what we're trying to do. And the more time that they spend with us as an investor, the more time they're kind of saying, you know, Hey, let's try to figure something out here. Right. I'm listening. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, with mobile homes, um, that is not uh, – certainly people want cash. I mean, like, like I said before, they want two things. They want the most money they can get, cash, and the quickest they can get it. So if there's a – if you're a – you know, if you're offering payments and someone else is offering cash, most likely, not always, but they're going to go with the cash, of course, because that's like a guaranteed now thing. Exactly. Um, but as far as structuring deals with sellers for mobile homes on land, mobile homes in parks – I think it goes down. It comes down to the fact that we can pay much more via payments, is, you know, is one part of it, and then as 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 an investor. And the second is, it's not like single family homes where um, what you had mentioned was kind of different than what I'm what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing because a lot of the the sellers that I talk to, um, even in the Florida area, I'm one of the first people calling them. And if if I'm not the first person calling them, I'm one of the first people showing up on time and or going through their home and making an offer. So there's not a lot of buyers or whenever I talk to a seller, we... (laughs) Whenever I was reading, you know, getting started, and this wasn't Larry's program, but a different one, I remember reading these, like, this, you know, these words that, you know, as as a, as a single-family home real estate investor, we're going to show up on our on our white horses, and we're going to be the knights that's going to save the day, <laughs> and just, you know, uh, thing, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of that, a parade's going to happen, and right. glitter's going to fall, but that wasn't, that never happened in, in all my experience with them, with a single-family home seller. Um, mobile home sellers, that's different. I have sellers that cry because they're so happy that, you know, they're doing that they can finally move on with their lives. I'm being the first person calling, making an offer, showing up on time. Um, so I'm curious. So anyway, um, that's sort of what I'm finding and structuring payments with sellers, not, not all sellers. Some sellers definitely need cash. They have a mortgage maybe, um, or some debt on the property so they can't take payments. But, um, well, you know, uh, what I've, what do you, I think what I've figured out here is that it really comes down to mindset and, and the problem may actually be, it probably is me. It's the mindset. I'm not in the mindset. I need to probably immerse myself more in the community 
in the mobile home space to better, instead of making assumptions, and this is what my mentor has told me, but my several of my mentors have told me, don't make assumptions. Take the time to research and learn a little more, which is what's part of the reason why we spawned this episode was to, to do exactly that. So that's pretty powerful information. I had a little epiphany there as you were explaining it. I'm going, well, I'm assuming. And when I go in with that mindset, to the seller, well, of course I'm going to fail or I'm going to get extra resistance. I mean, I've been successful in getting some seller financing terms on them, but, you know, it wasn't without a uh, extensive effort, let's say. <laughs> so that may, that may have come from me. Well said. There could be a number of things because you and the seller are the only ones there. Um, I mean, I would love to be a fly on your shoulders and say, oh, you might, you know, you might want to do this different, this different, this different, but you're, you're, you're right. Um, it could be you. And then even what you said before about assuming things, you know, a big, I'm a big believer in, you know, testing it. Hey, if you don't know if something's going to work, let's test it. You know, let's, before we commit to anything or, you know, advertising, especially, right. who, who knows if it's going to work. So let's test it. Let's give it a viable, you know, a try, a viable shot. And that's, uh, yeah, kind of goes with what you were saying. It's silly to assume or, you know, it's detrimental. Oh, I, John, I got to tell you this. I have learned a ton today. Thank you so much for today. And and I think we, we've just basically tiny, tiny scratched the surface. Right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go immerse myself because I know you just released some more information on the website recently. And, and listeners, I'm going to ask you guys to do the same thing. I'd like to get you back on the show. I, I, there's just so much more here to learn. I, I feel like I need to get you back on the show. First time was free, but next time I'll have to charge. There you go. Right, ring up my credit card. You know, my attorney's starting to tell me that because I always make the joke on the show and I, <laughs> I want free legal and tax advice. I get one of them on the phone. It's like, so what do you think about this? And then they're the yappa, yappa, yappa. I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't have to pay that legal bill. So <laughs> that worked so out pretty smart. well. I never thought about it. Well, think about it. You know, it saves you a fortune. Actually, I was having dinner with one of my attorneys last night and having that very same conversation because he was getting hit with a lot of people asking legal questions to him immediately. And I'm just starting sitting there laughing, looked at me, he knew exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so thanks John for, for coming on the show. And folks, if you want to reach out to John, uh, go through his website, mobilehomeinvesting.net, mobilehomeinvesting.net. And uh, just as a reminder, if you want to join our cash flow group over on Facebook, go to, cashflowguys.com forward slash group cashflowguys.com forward slash group and if you need some help getting off the dime getting off the couch standing up open up the books break your checkbook out start writing offers whatever it takes to get you motivated to start making that cash flow go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask tyler cashflowguys.com forward slash ask tyler catch you next week this concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.